Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast. We are from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church with five locations in Utah. Each week, we will be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roby, and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fully Delighted Podcast. So glad you've chosen to listen to this podcast today. Um, This is a, a podcast all about conversations about people's faith journeys and their stories. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here at SMCC. This is season three of the podcast. If you missed season one and two, in those seasons, we talk about uh, what drives us as a church, our philosophy, our strategy, our beliefs, our mission, our vision, our values, and what we're really trying to accomplish here in the state of Utah. And in this season, we want you to hear the stories of people who have been impacted by South Mountain over the years. So I'm here today with Pastor Paul, who started this thing 22 years ago. Paul, how you doing? Doing really well. Looking forward to another great story. Awesome. Me too. We started our Christmas series here at SMCC, so we're all in on the Christmas season, so things are exciting around here. And today I'm excited because we have Beth Morell on the show. Beth, thanks for being here. I am excited to be here. Man, Beth, I've known you, uh, and I'm sure this will come up in the story, but going on two years? Almost or? two years. Almost two in years. January was the first two years ago when we walked in the building. Wow. Well, I'm so excited for you to take our listeners through that story, what it was like walking into the building. I first met you at uh, the Lehigh location, but you had been listening to other podcasts that maybe inspired you Mm -hmm. to take a step into one of our buildings. So today we're going to hear your story, and I can't wait. Yeah, one of the interesting little tidbits here is that Beth, you used to work with my wife, I and did. you came up and introduced yourself to me, and I was like, oh, okay, and when I told my wife that I'd seen you at the Lehigh campus, she was really excited. <laughs> she was so happy to hear that, and so it's great to have you on the show today. Thanks. So, Beth, we'll kick it off with a, with a question. Uh, first question, tell us what it was like growing up LDS. Where did you grow up, and, and what was that like? So, yeah, I am not your typical Utah Mormon. I did not grow up in Utah. So I was born in Las Vegas, and when I was three, my parents moved to Indiana. And so I grew up in the mission field, you would call it, in the Mormon church, and grew up in Indiana. And, you know, I didn't know I was Mormon. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. It was just where I went to church on Sunday. It was just, I thought everyone believed the same thing I did. I didn't know any different. And um, I had a great childhood. And there were no other members around me. There was nobody in my neighborhood. Well, we lived in, we moved every few years, but there was one neighborhood where we actually lived in the same neighborhood as as the LDS chapel. So there was a few other families in our neighborhood, but not nearly like Utah. Um, there would be three, maybe four Mormons in my, my school. Um, so I was the token Mormon girl, but I didn't know I was the Mormon girl. I just like, Hey, this is where I go to church on Sunday. My best friend went to the Methodist church on Sunday and religion was just kind of what you did on Sunday. It wasn't your entire culture and where I grew up. So it was very different where I grew up. Yeah. Cause a lot of the stories we've heard so far is, Mormonism is such a part of the culture in Utah that if you grow up in Utah, it is all-consuming. But for you, it was just like going to any old church on yeah. the weekend. Yeah, And the thing was, because—and I, I realized this as I got older— 
But the ward there, like we drove 30 minutes to go to our ward building. It was 30, 30 minutes away. And the ward was truly like our little family because that was the only other place there were other members of the church around. Mm. And so my my church friends I only saw on Sunday or on Tuesday if we had mutual or, you know, camp and things like that. But I didn't have friends that were Mormons. And, you know, no one treated me like, oh, you can't play with Beth. She's Mormon. It was just I didn't know I was Mormon. <laughs> I think that's interesting. Yeah. So... When did you move to Utah? So I've moved to Utah twice. Okay. This is a funny story. So I grew up, um, I grew up LDS and, you know, I did all the stuff. I did girls camp. I did the youth conferences and stuff, but I wasn't like big gung ho in the church. It would be funny. I would be sitting in young women's on Sunday and everyone say, well, I'm going to graduate high school and I'm going to go to BYU and I'm going to get married. And I would say, yeah, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just doesn't sound cool to me. Yeah. I just didn't fit that mold. And after high school, I just kind of decided church wasn't for me. It just wasn't in my plan. My mom wasn't real thrilled with that. But mm-hmm. so I just kind of went my own way and church wasn't part of it. And but because of the way I was raised, I had a lot of guilt with mm-hmm. that. And I ended up in some relationships and some situations that just made me feel a lot of guilt. And when that relationship was over and some other things were going on, I was like, wow, I really should go back to church. I really am off the path. I really should get my life in order. Mm. Well, growing up outside of Utah, Utah is Zion. So where else am I going to become active again but Utah? So my dad's family was out here. So I packed up my stuff and moved across the country to Utah. How old were you? How old were you at this I was point? 19. 19. Okay. Yeah. So you decided to come to Utah. So I came to Utah and I lived with my aunt. And I tried the church thing for a little bit, and I it still wasn't me. And so I lived out here for about three years, and off and on would try to go back to church, and I just it still just didn't work. Wow. When you say it, it just didn't work, um, I'd love to kind of just drill down on that a little bit and just explain that to us. What was missing? Well, I just don't think I could get it to be part of my life again. I just don't think I was ready for it to be part of my life again. Mm-hmm. It, it did become part of my life again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lived out here for three years, and I just decided I, I needed to be somewhere else. And so I moved back to Indiana. Mm-hmm. And when I moved back to Indiana, I was 20, 23, I think, 22. And I moved back in with my parents. And my mom's rule for moving back home was I had to go to church mm-hmm. if I was going to live at home. And so my first Sunday home, I found the singles ward there in Indianapolis, and I drove 45 minutes to go to the singles ward in Indianapolis. And when I got there, um, there were people I knew from when I grew up. So it was a, like it became my social thing, you know? So not everybody went to BYU and got married. Right. No. So when you say it didn't work... Um, are you saying you couldn't live up to the rules or you tried, but then you didn't get what you thought you would get when you did live up to the rules? I couldn't live up to the rules. Yeah. Okay. Now you I sa- wasn't ready. Yeah. Yeah. You said something a couple minutes ago that's interesting. So you stopped attending church as you turned 19, mm-hmm. 20, you know, kind of got out of high school. Um, but when life circumstances weren't going how you thought they maybe would go. Mm -hmm. There was this default setting in you that said, because I'm far from God, bad things are happening in my life. Do you think that's common? Do you think that's built into growing up LDS? Oh, 
Yes. I think it's built into religion in general, oh, I absolutely. think. Yeah. Absolutely, because I, I wasn't doing the things I knew I was supposed to be doing, which mm-hmm. is why I was unhappy. And if I was doing all the things I knew I was supposed to be doing, I would be happy again. Mm, wow. I think that's a very, very common experience. So you're, you're at this singles ward. You're seeing people. Yeah. And I went all in. Mm. I was all in. What does that mean? Like, what is, tell us what so all in looks like. So I don't like. think I, I ever, you know, I, 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 if I was going to do it, I was going to do it. So I was at every meeting. I was three hours church every Sunday. I was at family home evening on Mondays. I was became in the Relief Society presidency. And then I started dating the, you know, the cute Mormon boy. And I was at the dances and I was doing all the things. And the whole, the singles ward, the church was my entire social circle. It was my entire outside of work. It's all I did. Mm -hmm. And I was reading my scriptures every night. I was praying every night. And honestly, it was the first time God had been back in my life in a long time. So for me, it was great that I had gotten that spiritual part of myself back. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was exhausted and I still didn't feel like I was doing everything I could do. Mm. So I'm like, okay, what do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? Well, I met this boy and I don't talk about this very much, but I met this boy who we started dating and Hey, let's get married in the temple. And, um, I, it was maybe a year after I had been on my, you know, hiatus from church for a long time and came back and, in that time, I had been working with the, the branch president and the bishop there and, you know, working to get myself back where I'm supposed to be in the good graces of the church and, you know, from the sins of my past. And, and we got engaged and we're planning our temple wedding and we were sitting there one day and I said something about my past and he just looked at me and said, if I had known you had done that or that was that recent, I would not have asked you to marry me. Wow. Ooh. And that was like, wow. So I'm doing all of this to be quote unquote forgiven mm-hmm. and to check off the boxes. And I'm supposed to marry this good priesthood holder and I'm supposed to do all this stuff, but you're still holding my past against mm-hmm. me and I'm still not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I was smart enough to get out of that. Wow. <laughs> so, Man, I can't imagine how, how hurtful um, that, that would have been. So this experience of there's always more I can do. You mm-hmm. know, I'm doing this, but there's uh, a wedding in the future. It's a mm-hmm. temple, mm-hmm. you know, ceremony. It's this. It's there's always something next, right? Mm-hmm. Is that kind of the yeah. the experience? Yeah. Mm. So, and even after that, my next step was, well, what do I do next? I decided to go through the temple. Mm-hmm. So I did, as not to go on a mission, not to get married, just to go. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, Beth, but. For our listeners who live in Utah, they drive by the temple. Perhaps there's actually one being built by our house. I know you live sort yeah, of by me. Yeah, across and so the street from my house. There's one in Saratoga Springs um, being built. I've heard that it drives home prices up. So It does. Yeah. My house is done. Yeah, lovely. interesting. Um, <laughs> but for the listener who doesn't know what happens in the temple, this hasn't come up yet in season three. Would you mind sharing, just to the degree that you're comfortable, what, what happens inside a temple? Sure, sure. Um, so I, growing up in Indiana, our closest temple when I grew up was the Chicago, Illinois temple, which was four hours away. Mm. Um, when I was a single adult and going to the singles ward, the closest temple was the Louisville, Kentucky temple. And the other one was the St. Louis. Mm. So I was endowed, which means where you go through and become, um, 
endowed with your temple garment, take your covenants, things out in the St. Louis temple. Mm -hmm. So um, in the temple, you go and you make covenants promising to um, obey different things. Um, The first time you go, it's just a blur. You know, and it was completely overwhelming, and and I I didn't enjoy my first experience at all. I just left crying because it was just so overwhelming. It was just me and my mom. Um, but that's when you know you're asked to wear your temple garment, which is the you know the white underwear, and and you make covenants to you know not say what happens in the temple, and and you learn certain you know signs and tokens that will help you get through a veil when you go back to heaven, and. Um, you're, and you do that for yourself, and then when you go back again, you do it for other people so that they have those those um, covenants so that they can get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And so I went through for myself, and that first time it was just a big blur and overwhelming, and I didn't get it, and it was, oh, oh gosh, I didn't know what was going on, and I just left, and my mom's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I just want to leave. Mm-hmm. And so we left, and we drove home, and so that next Next weekend, I drove to Kentucky and went through again because I didn't understand it. And I kept going till I could. And I, I don't know if I ever truly understood it, but it was comfortable to me. Mm-hmm. Like I went enough times. Eventually, I became a temple worker. Yeah. I was asked to work there. So mm-hmm. every other weekend, I drove to Kentucky to work in the temple. Wow. Wow. So did I miss something here? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just ignorant about this, but I understand proxy baptism. Mm-hmm. Is there actually proxy Endowments. Endowments yes, also? absolutely. Now, you know, I've lived here for 22 years. Mm-hmm. I did not know absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, so you go, you can do proxy baptisms, but when the adults go, they go and go through the endowment session for someone else, for an ancestor. So you're actually making promises. For someone else. Covenants for someone else. Yes. And they don't even know that you're making them for them. Right. Well, they believe that that person is aware of it. And then on the other side, they can choose whether to accept that you did that for them or not. Mm. So these people have already passed away Mm -hmm. and you're doing something for them on earth that will impact them in eternity. Right. That's kind of the concept. Yeah, it is proxy for them. Wow. You know, uh, Beth, we feel strongly that um, you tell your story. And so, hey, don't ever let us lead, try to, you know, since Mm -hmm. that we're trying to lead you somewhere. And so, we do want you uh, to explain, like, what happened, what changed, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like, what were the questions that were going through your mind that would cause you to walk away from this type of thing? But this is your story. And mm-hmm. what's interesting, as we do these stories, and from all the many stories, as you know, at SMCC that have been told by so many people, it's just interesting how there's just a different story all mm-hmm. the time. It, there's some central themes there's some consistency to the stories, but everybody's story is unique. And so let's hear yours and just help help walk us through, you know, what were the kind of the dominoes that fell? Yeah, so I said I moved to Utah twice. So I, I was there for several years, um, and I was very active, and I, I started getting this feeling I was supposed to come back to Utah, and I did not want to come. Hmm. And... Uh, the Lord and I had some fights about it, and uh, he won. And uh, I just really strongly felt like I was supposed to come back. So I did. And uh, my family followed. My parents retired, and they always had wanted to come back to Utah. And once I got here, I really tried the church out here. And my first Sunday, I left here from a singles ward crying because it was so different than what I was used to in Indiana. 
What, I've heard that before. Yeah, what from was people? the difference? Yeah. So when I would go to church in Indiana, if there was someone new, we noticed. And we're like, hi, who are you? Tell us about you. And I went into this church and nobody said hi to me. Nobody asked me anything. Um, and then I the, I think the bishop came up to me or somebody and asked where I was from. And the first thing was, hey, would you have a calling? Would you do something? Because no one would accept callings there. And here I was coming from where I was, you know, doing this, this, and this. I'm like, yeah, okay, you know. But I felt just really sad, you know. And I kept going back. And after a while, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I lived with a roommate. So we would go to, we went to a, a, fa a family ward, a home ward. Mm -hmm. And so she and I were kind of um, there as this, the token single girls in the, in the family ward. And, and we did that. And in all of this time, I'm still trying. And I'm just realizing how different as an active member of the church, because I wasn't the before the first time I lived here, then as an active member of the church here in Utah, then it was there and how much I didn't enjoy it. And it was so different. And here it was so culturalized. Mm -hmm. um, and I would go out with some of my friends I had met here who were LDS and, and somebody would ask me for a drink or something. I'd be like, no, no, I don't drink. You know, I'm a member of the church. And they'd be like, yeah, so am I, you know, and they'd be having a drink. And I'd mm -hmm. be like, well, that's weird, but mm. um, I don't know. It just felt weird to me. So, during this time, I was dating people, and I still couldn't obey the rules. I still loved having a cup of coffee. You know, I still um, wasn't good at the rules. And I was constantly, in my opinion, in the bishop's office. <laughs> I screwed up again. And every time I'd screw up again, or there'd be nights I was crying and just sobbing with mm. the Lord. Why am I so bad? Why can't I do this? Sorry, mm. I get emotional still. No, it's fine. Because I hated that I could not do it. Mm. I was trying so hard, and I was constantly screwing up. And I would go in, and they would have this thing called disfellowshipment. Mm. I was disfellowshipped. There were so many times I was afraid they were going to kick me out of the church. And it was at that, that point that I was like, why would God be this type of person where I was afraid of him or afraid that I just can't make it. And I don't want to feel this guilt anymore. So I just stopped. Mm. I didn't want to feel the guilt anymore. It's interesting to me that people like yourself felt compelled to go to the bishop and kind of report on yourself. Oh. And yeah. confess your sins to him. Yeah. Um, people don't do that with me. Do they do that with you, Eric? No, they don't. They don't, <laughs> they don't want to see me. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, it's just interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean. There were times that I would urgently like sit outside the bishop's door because I couldn't live with myself until I felt like I could confess wow. and move on. And yeah, I just couldn't live that way anymore. So I just stopped. Do you feel like he had the power to forgive you? Like he spoke for God. If he Absolutely. said to you, Beth, you were forgiven. Then... Absolutely. Man, that's And then there was all this work I had to do. And then all of a sudden, after, you know, three months of, you know, doing all these things, I was okay. So you couldn't take sacrament then? Could not take the sacrament, and everyone would watch and know that you weren't mm -hmm. taking the sacrament. Mm -hmm. You know, couldn't pray in, in, in public, couldn't have a calling, couldn't do all these things. I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah. You kind of have this feeling like people are making up a story in their own minds why she's not yeah, taking what did she do? the sacrament. Yeah, and yeah. it was so, uh, it was just, oh gosh, it would just beat me up. Yeah, so instead of living with guilt, you're like, I'll just stop living with this religion. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it wasn't like I had any 
I never questioned like doctrine or anything. It's just for me, I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't. And years went by and I met my husband and who is awesome. Mm -hmm. I know. I know Galen. (laughs) Good dude. Galen, what's up? If you're listening. (laughs) And he is born and raised in Utah. And he went inactive in the LDS church when he was about 14. Mm. And he just didn't have a desire. He had had issues with stuff too. And when he met me, I was still trying to do all the right things. I was still like wearing my garments. And I'm like, one of these days, you and I are going to go through the temple. We're still going to do it. Wow. Yeah. And he would humor me and be like, yeah, sure, babe. That's what <laughs> we're going to do. Wow. So um, how long would you consider yourself uh, irreligious? Well, what did you consider yourself? Did you consider yourself... I'm still LDS, mm-hmm. but I'm just not going right now. Right. Or did you consider mm-hmm. yourself atheist, agnostic, irreligious? What would you describe no. yourself in the period after you left the LDS church? Yeah. So I, I stopped going for, gosh, we've been married like 12 years, so for about 10 years. Mm. We just didn't do anything. And I still considered myself a member of the church. And technically, I still am. My records are mm-hmm. still in there. Um but I, I tell people I'm not because for me, my mother has asked me not to remove my records because mm. um, it would hurt her. And for me, it means something to her. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's okay. I'm okay with that. But mm-hmm. I tell people I'm not um, because it doesn't, I don't feel like I am. So did you, in those 10 years, have the 10 years between leaving the LDS church and considering maybe um, a different faith journey? Mm-hmm. Did you have PTSD? Did you often think about the church? Did you often think about God? Did you still pray? What was spirituality like yes. during those 10 years? Um, I would have moments of praying, absolutely, but only when things were really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when things were really bad, I'd have moments of praying. And there was always this thought in the back of my head, one day I'll go back. Interesting. One day I will go back. And then when I had my daughter, we got her blessed into the Mormon church. One day I will take her. She needs to learn. One day I'll take her. And that is what started my journey. As she started getting older, and all of a sudden, there were people in our neighborhood, we live in Utah County, that wouldn't let my daughter play with their kids because we didn't attend church on Sunday. Mm. And I had to really think about that and explain to my daughter that I didn't believe that was right. Mm. And then... um, my mom asked me as she was getting close to being eight, are you going to have her baptized? And I was really thought, why would I get her baptized into a church, one, she knows nothing about, and two, that I'm not sure I believe in? And that's when I really started thinking. And so I looked at Galen one day, and I said, I really miss church. And he's like, you do? Mm-hmm. I'm like, not not, no, not the LDS church. I miss church. I miss God. I miss, because I had, I thought, a really great relationship with God. I never had a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I had a relationship with Joseph Smith. Oh, interesting. I've never heard somebody say that before. I had a relationship with Joseph Smith. Absolutely. When you said that, light bulbs just went on for me. Uh-huh. I did not have a relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. but I felt like I had a relationship with God, and I missed that. And so he's like, well, why don't we try another church? And being raised Mormon, can you do that? Mm. Hmm. Like that was what I, can you do that? Can you go to another church? I don't even know where we would go. (laughs) And what would people say if we went to another church? And I'm, I'm still here toting my garments. And I mean, can we go to another church? And so we started thinking about it. The only church I knew in Utah is I used to work with Jenny. 
And when I worked with Jenny, she would occasionally talk about her church. And I used to help run the Draper Historic Theater in Draper. And we had a fundraiser that Jenny and Paul had let us use their building mm-hmm. 2003. I mean, <laughs> 17 years ago. And I remember walking in there and going, oh, my gosh, they have a coffee place in their church? I mean, how cute is this place, you know? <laughs> and that was my only exposure to a church outside of LDS Church in Utah. Like, I used to go to Christmas Eve service with my best friend at the Methodist Church growing up. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that was about my only exposure. And so we Googled, you know, churches in Utah. And every church that came up was the LDS Church, of course. Um And I was like, what was the name of that church? So we Googled it, and we found the website. We found the Mormon Stories podcast that they did. My husband and I sat on the bed, and gosh, it's what, three or four hours, five hours long? (laughs) Yeah. We watched. It's still on YouTube, if anybody. It's on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. We -hmm. watched all four or five hours straight. Mm -hmm. And he looked at us, looked at me, and said, we're going there on Sunday. Wow. So this is where it gets super interesting for us. I mean, not not that this has been super interesting (laughs) so far, but what was that like when you walked into the doors for the first time, the music, everything, the whole experience? Love to hear it. So great. So Was it the Lehigh location? It was the Lehigh Mm -hmm. location, and it was... January 14th, two years ago. Wow, you remember remember the date. I do, Mm -hmm. I do. Well, it's because I just looked it up because I was trying to remember what the sermon was that day because I remembered it, but I couldn't remember exactly. Um, We walked in and my daughter, she's a riot. She's so sassy. She looks around, she goes, it doesn't look like a church. Yeah, Lehigh's in, <laughs> Lehigh's in a warehouse. It's in a, it's in a it, kind of an industrial yeah. strip, you know, type She's place. She's like, this doesn't look like a church. And I'm like, it's a church. And then she sees coffee. She goes, but mom, there's coffee. And I'm like, that's awesome. But it was great. Like everyone welcomed us and showed us where to take my daughter. And so we walk in and worship is starting to play already and it's loud. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh my gosh. So we just scooch in and everybody's standing. I'm like, oh, I guess we stand. And so we're standing there, and the music starts playing, and um, I look over, and Paul is standing right next to me. Yeah, thousands of people, (laughs) five locations, Paul's crazy schedule, and he's right next to you. He is Like, he knew you were coming. Paul is right next to me. He got a word from the Lord, yeah. (laughs) And it's the only reason I recognized him is because I'm friends with Jenny on Facebook, and I recognize him. Like, that's Jenny's husband. Not like, hey, that's the pastor of the church. He is recognizable. Tall, bald guy. Good chances, Paul. So we're there, and um, you look around, and you know, there's the people waving the arms and all kinds of stuff, and... We're like, wow. But I didn't think anything different. I just was really just, I love music. Music touches my soul. So the song comes on, um, the Hillsong song, Who You Say, uh, I I Am Who You you Say say I I Am. Right. I start bawling. Mm. So it says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. So I grew up singing the song, I am a child of God, mm-hmm. but it was very different. And hearing it praised that way and in a positive way, and for me to hear it, I'm a child of God in a positive way, and then to hear in my father's house, there's a place for me, wow. 
just it was already prepared for me and I didn't have to earn it. I'm sobbing and I've never been in this environment before and I'm just like I don't have Kleenex I'm just wiping tissues everywhere and my husband looks over at me and he's just looking sobbing you know and we're just like wow and so we just sit there and then Eric starts preaching and I've never been in an environment like this before and it was zealot part two ah I remember it and the theme is how do you live in the aftermath of being all in just to find out you're all wrong. <laughs> I like getting goosebumps as you explain all this, Beth. <laughs> that is awesome. And it was, it was like, oh my gosh. Okay, God, I get it. And I just sat there and go, yeah, 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 that's how I feel. Yeah. You know, I do. I feel like, and I hadn't even done my like church history stuff that, where I challenged what I really truly believed, I just knew I didn't feel like I belonged there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have since done a lot of history stuff, and I can tell you what I don't believe. Um, but I wasn't sure what I did believe, and there are days I still don't know mm-hmm. what I believe. Um, but that was the sermon, and it got over. And I looked at Paul, and I was like, "Are you Jenny's husband?" <laughs> He's like, "Yeah." And I looked at him, and I was like, "Yeah." And I told him where we are, and I'm like. This is my first Sunday here. I've never been here. Uh, I've been Mormon my whole life. And I joked with him, like, still wearing my garments. They're on right now. you know. <laughs> and, um, and we left. And my husband said, we're coming back next week. And then shortly after, um, they started the Turning Point class. Mm-hmm. And we started attending that. And we did that. And it just started us down this huge journey that has been wow. amazing. Wow. That's... Like, if we could write a script, would that be pretty close to what we'd write, Eric? Yeah, that's <laughs> our dream come true. Like, I mean, to hear all that, uh, it's just fantastic. So so uh, encouraging, exciting. I'm so grateful for you, Beth. Thanks for sharing well, what, that. What's been the hardest part of this journey for you? Not trusting anything. Yeah, it's it's been really... Um, I doubted everything. So I kind of felt like my four my floor just dropped out from underneath me. Mm-hmm. Um, I told you there's, once I really started digging into what do I believe and what do I not believe, I found out a lot of things that I had always believed weren't really what I believed. That was really, really, really hard. Right. And things that had always been really special to me weren't really special. Can you give an example? I mean, I can tell this is, you know... Um, very fresh and, and emotional. Um, what would be an example of something that you decided, I no longer believe that, or I need to unlearn that, or I was taught that my whole life, and I actually, it brought me comfort, but it's just not true. The temple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. Um, you know, I got a question for you with that, and I don't want, mean to interrupt, but how do you deal with the fact that you made covenants, you made a promise, and, and you strike me as a person that just, I, I, my word is my bond. If I promise it, it's going to happen. Yeah. How did you process that whole thing? That was what was so hard. Yeah. That's why 10 years later of not going to church, I was still wearing my garments. Mm-hmm. Um, because I made that promise and I had that fear. There was so much fear that if I stopped, that something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when I started doing some research, and realized that 
the temple came from uh, the Masons and, you know, mm-hmm. that that it wasn't this amazing thing and that the temple didn't need to be there, that, that Jesus, you know, had done that and that we were the temple. Yeah, and he, he lives in us, yeah, not we, a building. We mm-hmm. were the temple. Mm-hmm. And then I remember sitting in the Turning Point class and them talking about when Jesus died, the veil of the temple ripping. I had never learned that. And I was like, wow, so there didn't even need to be a temple, and the Bible doesn't talk about this. And I sat down, I went through this whole huge rabbit hole, I guess you would call it, one day of just research and research, and I sobbed for days Mm. because I had a lot of what I would call spiritual moments. And I think to myself, and I've talked to my husband about this many times, I would take time out of my week to drive to a place that was peaceful, mm-hmm. where all I did was sit there and think and pray and think about God. And I think for me, the reason it was special is because I was taking time to reflect and meditate. And God is God. I mean, he was still there with me. So for me, I think that's why it was so special. Not because I was in this white building wearing white clothes, you know, doing work for someone else. I think it's because he was there with me. Mm-hmm. So I had to rethink my experiences there and what I felt about it. And it was really hard. No, I think that's really smart. Uh, Sometimes uh, different LDS people will tell me about a a miracle or some special experience. And for, for most of their life, they've been connecting God of Mormonism with that experience. And so when I say to them, you know, Maybe God was actually just showing his kindness and grace to you. Even in that situation, Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's connected to the Mormon church or Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. And I I think that helps some people just to realize, yeah, God was actually looking out for me then and caring about me at that point. Mm -hmm. Even though I was in the Mormon church, he reached out to me. Mm -hmm. So you talked about uh, your parents earlier, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of want to go back to that if you're okay with it, because um, I know that this is a really hard conversation for so many people. So have you talked to your folks? Uh, wh- where are things at? What was that like? Because I think it creates such empathy for people when they hear this. Yeah, so I did have that conversation. Um, it was hard. And I can say now, right now, I'm in a good place mm-hmm. with my parents. Um, more, so it's more my mom, my dad's just pretty chill, whatever you want to do. So I have four siblings. My sister left the church when she was young. My brother left the church when he was young. My other brother left the church. Mm. I was the only one. So I think I was my mom's holding out. I was the one that was going to do it. Um, and my mom knew for 10 years that I haven't been going to church, but I think she always thought it's not that I didn't believe it. I just didn't want to go that she had the hope that I would go back. So when we started going to South mountain, I didn't tell her what we were doing. Um, we'd go to church and then we'd go over and, you know, she'd ask about her Sunday and be like, Oh, you know, we just got up and had breakfast. And I, I, I didn't want to tell her, but I felt like I was living a lie and I was finding so much joy at church that I wanted to share that. And then (laughs) This was my bad part. And if I could go over and do it again, mom, I would <laughs> I I would redo this conversation. Oh, wow. I did the conversation when I was still angry. Mm. And that is not hmm. when you should do it. Um 
I would do it now out of a place of kindness, out of love and a different place. I was angry. Um, my floor had just dropped out. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, I need to know. And I told her we were going to another church. But finally she asked me why. And I'm like, you don't want to know why. She's like, no, I really do. You really don't want to have this conversation right now. And I tried to get out of it, but she's stubborn and I get that from her. Um, so we went into a room and I started explaining to the, her the things I no longer believed and the things that I could prove that with and why I didn't believe it. But then I also said the things I still believed. You know, I still believed in God. I still believed in Jesus. I believed in the Bible. And aren't you happy that I want to raise your granddaughter in you know, a faith and that I'm teaching her that God loves her, that Jesus loves her. And, you know, in the end, it was a rough, rough conversation. Mm. But I looked at her and I'm like, I will never disrespect the fact that you believe in the LDS church Mm -hmm. as long as you respect the fact that I have chosen not to believe it anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're at now. And she will ask me, we went over there yesterday after church. Nellie still had her little sticker, not yesterday, Sunday, mm-hmm. still had her sticker on um, that had her name on it from church. And she's like, oh, Ellie, you still have your sticker on from church. What'd you learn at church today? And, and you know, she accepts that that's what we do on Sunday. And um, she's cute. I'm reading this book. It's by a Christian author. You should read it. You'd like it. He's Christian, you know. So we have come to a place now where she accepts it. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I think that's hard for a person, you know, obviously the amount of time and years put into the LDS church by somebody like her. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think I want to pick up on the fact that, and it's really great that you're sensitive to the fact that you were going through an anger phase and that's when you had the conversation because I've seen this many, many Mm -hmm. times and I, there's no way. In fact, this Sunday we're talking about clarity and the importance of clarity. And we want to be clear, but we don't want to be hurtful. Mm-hmm. And and we're walking that tightrope, how to, how to really tell the truth, how to own our own thoughts and feelings, and at the same time, not destroy the person that we're trying to mm-hmm. help. And, and, and so, man, good job. <laughs> you, you've, mm-hmm. you've recovered. It sounds yeah. like the relationship is solid. We're so good. that's awesome. I, I would change it if I could, but we made mm-hmm. it through. Yeah. I, I just think uh, of the courage it took to have that conversation. It's yeah. a very scary conversation. It was very scary. Um, she was very scary. Um, my my very dearest friend is very active, and I didn't tell her right out for a long time until she finally asked me, and I was in a much better mm. place. Yeah. And she, when I was done, she said, I can tell you're happier. Wow. You know, Beth, one of the things that we like to say is that just because we can prove somebody else is wrong. That doesn't make us right. Mm -hmm. And so we try to accentuate the positive of SMCC instead of accentuating the negative of the LDS church. Mm -hmm. And so in accentuating the positive, we've put together several values, and I think you've probably become aware of some of our cultural values. Um, If not, uh, that's fine. But what are some of those values, or what do you notice about the LD, uh, the SMCC culture that is that has really resonated with you as something healthy, good, enjoyable, that sort of thing? Well, the biggest thing that has always stood out to me at SMCC is belong before you believe. 
Like I said, there when I walked into the church, I didn't know what I believed. There are days I still don't know what I believe. Mm-hmm. And I and that's okay. And no one has made me feel any different. And it's okay if I have a question that I can, you know, text you guys or email you guys and or call someone in my small group and say, "Hey, is this a Mormon thing? Is this a Bible thing? I don't know where this is from. I don't know if I believe this." Mm-hmm. Like in the church I grew up, I didn't feel like I'd ever ask questions, and I, if I didn't believe it, I just tucked it away. I'm not sure I believe that, but don't worry about it. And so I love that it's okay if you don't believe what we believe. And I, the first time I was there and, and Eric sat down and he said, okay, so this is for the Jesus followers in the room. Listen to this. And if you're not a Jesus follower, and I'm like, what, they're okay if people aren't even into Jesus? I mean, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was so cool. Yeah, that's something we try to uh, incorporate See, because this... we want people to feel like they belong here. Yeah, yeah, and it just was overwhelming to me that that was cool. I mean, you've listened to SMCC communicators for two years. Sometimes we say the same thing every week. Like, I say that <laughs> every week, but every week is someone's first week. There's yeah. a Beth there for the first time. In fact, I met a lady on Sunday who was in tears after the service for a very similar reason. Keep saying it. As you. So... <laughs> To all the SMCC attenders listening to this, when you hear us say, if you're a Jesus follower, pay attention. If not, hey, you can dismiss this. Thank you for letting us say it week in and week mm-hmm. out, because that's what it means for the fully engaged people to value the, the guest as you put up with us saying the same stuff week in and, and week out. Um, Beth, I, I, I've always thought of this question, um, and I think it's an important question. Um, what, what do people... Um, that come to Utah, transplants to Utah, what do they misunderstand about Utah culture, but but specifically LDS culture? You know, if there's a transplant listening, they've been here four months, they moved here from California, they're not sure, they're living in Utah County by us, what's your encouragement to them? What would you say to them about thriving in Utah? See, that's a hard one. So for me, I think a lot of the the members of the church just don't want to see what's around them. Um, they they're doing what they know. They don't know any different. They don't know there's anything out there. They don't know that there's a safe place if you have a question to ask. You know, um, I thought that was very interesting when Galen and I came out as you know we've left quote unquote left the church and are attending somewhere else. We were shocked at how many family members and friends started texting us saying, yeah, I've had doubts about the church. Tell us about your church or, hey, could we come with you? And or can we ask you this question? Um, maybe say, you know, I'm a safe place or let them feel that way. Um, but from what I've noticed, and I think it's been easier for me as a transplant into Utah because I grew up in the culture, is just I just try to love everybody because they're doing the best they can. And there's so many people in the LDS church here in Utah, that it's so much a part of their culture that a lot of them don't even know what they believe either. Right, right. They, it's just what everybody does. Interesting. You know, um, we're always trying to get better at what we do. Um, so what is something that we do? You've already mentioned one or two things, but is there anything else about what we do that is particularly helpful for people that are transitioning out of Mormonism? Absolutely. The Turning Point class was great. Um, we, gosh, we, we, would, we started that after we'd only come for a couple of Sundays. 
And that's what helped us. It, it's the, the class that teaches the difference between the LDS church and biblical Christianity. And my mind was blown so many times during that class. And I go over and read the handouts from that all the time, mm-hmm. still learning things. Um, and it not only that, but it was a community that it brought me into. There's so many people from that that we have we've become friends with and and small groups. Um, our small group, and I was telling you, um, everyone in our small group, except for one person, used to be LDS. Mm. And we have become really tight. And so many times, almost every time, and small group, we'll talk about what we're supposed to talk about, but it always comes into, well, how do we feel about that from the LDS perspective? Or how can we get that out of our, how do we change that? And how do we deal with that? And, and it's amazing that we have that community. Mm-hmm. Beth, as I think about your story, um, it's, it's incredible. So the next steps, so you come to SMCC, you start to take your next steps, you ask questions in the turning point class. When did you decide to get into small group? I mean, that's a big next step. Was that scary? How'd you do that? You know, there's a, there's a funny story about this. So we started coming and I think it was my LDSness. Like you're supposed to be doing more things. Mm-hmm. So I went to church. I'm like, well, cause there was, I would just go to church and would leave and I didn't meet anybody mm. and I wanted to meet people. I needed that community. And I think that's the big thing I missed about church was mm. community. And yeah, you go to church and you go to worship and you go to the, the service, but then everybody leaves. Mm. And I needed that community. So I'm like, well, what else is there? So that's where I found out about small groups. And so we went for, uh, right after we started, we went to a small group at Eric's house. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and we went once because then after that, our schedule just didn't work. And mm-hmm. then we were like, it was actually a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. We weren't ready. Yeah. Yep. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. We weren't ready. And then about six, eight months later, we found out there was another small group at a house in our neighborhood. And we slowly started going to that. Mm-hmm. And then um, those people have become, they're, they're our people, they're our clan. Mm-hmm. And and then, yeah, that, that community is what I needed. Did you serve on the kids team for a while too? You yes, kids? before COVID. Yeah, you're on, so you're on a team, you're in a group. Yeah. You're inviting people, Beth. Yeah, I just, God gets the glory for the story <laughs> because it's just, it's just an incredible um, story. Anything else as we kind of wrap this up? Anything else that you'd like to say about why you call SMCC home, or, or maybe what would you say to somebody listening who's going through what you went through just two and a half years ago? They're considering uh, checking SMCC out, or they don't know where they stand. Any last words as we wrap up the podcast? My last words is God knows you, and it's okay to be afraid, and it's okay to doubt, and it's okay to look, and. And he knows us, and he's going to guide you where you need to be. And there are people like me who will love you through it, mm-hmm. 100%. Wow. Well, I hope more and more people meet you, Beth. Um, they can find you at one of our locations, I'm sure, on Sundays. Um, but thank you so much for being here on the show and, and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks for listening. If you've found this story encouraging, um, share it. Or if you know somebody who you think would find this a story encouraging, share it with them. And uh, if you have questions, want to get in touch with Beth, um, you can always just email us. The email is in the description below. We'll be back next week with another story, and we're really excited for that. So thanks for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, 
please subscribe, give us a rating, or share with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit our website at smccutah.org. Thanks again for trusting us with your time, and we hope to have you back again soon.